Hello. Hello, Merlin. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I'm fine. I got a lot going on. You caught me in the middle of tweaking my levels. Oh, do you, do you need a little time? Do you need a little warm up? I need, oh, I need so much time. <laughs> do you? I'm enough at last. Yeah, yep, 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 yep. I'm in the back All vault. All the time in break. the world. Yeah, yeah. I've, I, I cracked a couple nuts this week. It's a good uh -oh. feeling. Yeah. I uh, cracked an... That's funny how, Dan. Oh, that's funny. Finally, like a clown. I got, I got nuts. I got uh, a blue blue diamond smokehouse almonds. <laughs> okay, good. Ask your doctor if blue diamond is right for you. Yeah. Uh, crack some nuts. Good nuts. Yeah. Uh, it was just about this time last week where I cracked a nut with my stream deck that I'm super excited about. I talked about that here, right? Uh, you talked to me about it, I think, when you first got it, and I told you that I had been using one for about a year. They're really, really cool. Did you get the little one? Did you get the big one? Uh, I don't know, but I think I got the little one. Okay. It feels little, because I don't have... What was that? You haven't you have a beverage? What is uh, this? This is a LaCroix with... Oh, nice. Lemon lime or something. I don't know what it is. Key, key lime. lime. Key lime. Mm. It's, um, not, it's not my favorite. They were out of the 365 regular oh. lime. Those are the good ones. Oh, lime, huh? My lady likes pomplamoose. <laughs> I think band? people like to say pomplamoose. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's like with that lady that looks to the side uh -huh. and the Patreon guy. Uh -huh. um, no, no. Uh, big innovation with Stream Deck, and I won't go on because, uh, you know, it's like uh, with John Syracuse talking about, uh, you know, when you talk about a market segmentation and slices of a pie, and you take an already small slice and you slice it even smaller, like smaller perhaps than the community of people interested in Markdown is the people interested in Stream Deck. Uh -huh. My stream deck interest is is so narrow, but uh, if anybody ever wants to hear me talk more about it, I will. I won't do it too much here, but I've finally figured out how to get. Uh, I'm uh, Dan. I'm going to speak in an odd patois for a minute. So just okay. forgive me for twenty seconds. All right. Forgive me for everything, but especially for the next twenty seconds. I'm running both the uh, the Elgato Stream Deck software and something called BitFocus Companion. BitFocus Companion has integrations that work with stuff like Home Assistant. Long story short, I now have um, multi-buttons and toggles that allow me to uh, make automations out of both BitFocus Companion buttons and Stream Deck. And so now I can hit one button when I start a podcast and, and everything does a thing. And so so what does that trigger? What happens when you hit the button? You know how in uh, the Elgato software that comes with it, you can create uh, whatever it's called, like multi-actions or something? Yeah. So, like, ordinarily, you would say, okay, do this OBS thing, and do this, uh, show my Twitter account, or do this, change my, all that stuff that's built in. Those are all, anything that can be a button in Stream Deck, you can make a multi-action for. Hmm. And you could think how that would be useful. I do stuff like this uh, with software using Brett Terpster's Bunch. Like, so, for example, when I start a podcast, I shut off Dropbox, I, you know, I turn off all the uh, bandwidth-heavy stuff. With this, um... So that's really handy. So you can, and it'll even do some system stuff. It'll emulate keystrokes on your Mac and things like that. Uh, I, I love the ability. Something that's not surprisingly not that easy other ways is just changing input and output. So I could say, you know, always switch to using my USB pre input and output. Um, that's all stuff that's built in. Now what's neat is when you bring in BitFocus Companion, that brings it on, on my Home Assistant stuff. And so the way the symphony ends in the most exciting, arousing, let's be honest, way is I have a button now called Podcast, and when I click Podcast, it changes my input and output to the USB pre. It turns off my fans, uh, and it. Uh, and what was the other thing it does? It, uh, it, but it does all those things. And then when I'm done with the podcast, I toggle, I toggle, that turns my fans back on, changes my input and output, etc. 
Um, so it brings all that stuff together because a button is just a button in the end, damn. <laughs> I cracked that nut. That was a good <laughs> feeling. I love cracking a nut. Uh-huh. Smokehouse almonds. Um, what was the other nut I cracked? Um, oh, wait, I had a really good nut that I cracked. Um, hmm, I'm fading a little bit here. Uh, see, one problem is, Dan, you know, uh, I like the time we record, but, you know, it's, it's a time of day when, when my, um, my, my brain is bristling with fecundity. Hmm. Part of my thing. I'm sorry to hear that. No, no, I'm doing a lot of capture. I'm running around. I'm doing stuff. You get me at kind of a, a height of energy in some ways. Mm-hmm. And, and I apologize for that as well. Well, now I'm mad at myself. What was my other nut I cracked? Fix that, fix that. Things are going great with the, the Mac Mini setup. Mm. That was officially not a stupid purchase. Okay. That's been great. That stuff is fast. It'll occur to me in a minute what my other thing was. What's going on in your neck of the woods? What are you up to? You know, I think um, I have more to say about mm. some of the things that we talked about last time. <laughs> um, the gadgets and <laughs> other things. Are you going to bitch about the Google uh, Nest Hub house? No, I got that all working. And I wanted to, I to talk about that and uh, some that. other things that I learned about that. And yeah, so that's something we could talk about. I've learned about uh, some other devices and things and how they interconnect and some weird weird things but that problem has been solved is so there that's anything kind that of might fun. be of use to, to to the listener or can you help them uh, crack a nut i'll yeah i'll crack any nut that uh that they ask you see i put a nut, nut in front of you and you're gonna crack it literally any nut you put i will crack so if you get in the right mode the right as you say state of mind mm. i feel like somebody could just be handing you nuts <laughs> and you go crack 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 mm-hmm. yes you know and that for better or for worse, that's that's a, as you say a modality, you know. <laughs> Don't you think? Kind of yeah. like an eye and escape. Yeah, no, it definitely. Or escape, yes. escape an eye. That would be that would be a good name for a dismemberment plan record about uh, VI. Um, and I've, I have some. Thing, I have. I've yes, been you there. focusing a lot on analyzing some Kubrick films, so I was, you know can always go there if you want interesting I parallels and different movies and whatever you want to do. I mean, it's your I'm going to remember the other nut I cracked, I, um, and I can jump in at any point. Why don't you? Why don't you start? All I have is uh, I have two bits of back to work related media. Okay. Uh, recommendations, um, and so we can come come back to that. Do you want to? Do you want to? kicks off well i i guess this would be follow-up about the google nest hub and the google net the google nest hub for those who weren't here last week there there is a number of products that exist that are you ran into an edge case didn't you yes that are they're little screens and they can play music and show you videos and do other things like that and they two competing products that seem to be at the top of this heap besides the chumby are the Amazon Show, Echo Echo Show, and the Google Nest Hub. And there are different sizes of these. There's the big one, which I don't have. There's the medium-sized one or smaller one, which is the Sometimes one. Sometimes it feels like Amazon's putting two or three new things out a week. It's hard to keep track, especially with them. The product line, I don't know how much you follow. That, I mean, depending on what, it's a little bit like Siri, I guess. Depending on what you count as product line. Right. Oh, my God. They have things that are like, it turns like an outlet into a speaker. Right. Remember for a while it had the thing, Amazon Look, it had the thing that would tell you if it liked your clothes. Yeah, then that was- It's kind of like having a judgy boyfriend. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So the one that I got is, I I decided, you gave me a demo of the (laughs) Google Nest Hub, and I don't know if you had the regular, the Max, or which one you had, but you you gave me a demo, you were sort of talking to it, telling it to favorite things, it was pulling up pictures, it was doing all this, and I thought, that's what I want. Uh, because 
I'm not so much interested in doing like video calls with it. And apparently the Amazon show has a video call capability that the smaller Google Nest Hub doesn't have. But anyway, it didn't matter. That's That was not what I wanted. What I mainly wanted to do was to be able to have it so that I could have it play YouTube videos, have it play music and basically other things like that. And uh, if it, you may, you may know this, but Google mm. owns YouTube. Did you know that? Did you know that they own the YouTube? Video, the video website? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. They do. And you so daily motion. Is that what you're thinking of? There is no, that's you- where I watch all my old, old episodes of soap backwards <laughs> and in Espanol. <laughs> There's no YouTube app for the Amazon show. And being is the, one of the main that, things. That is, that is a fraud. That is a fraud history, Dan. It does. And one when of the, the media main... ones, when the, when the show came straight out of the box, originally it had YouTube, then YouTube went away. Then they're like, oh, you can watch it on this browser because yeah. the whole reason you got this tiny TV for your kitchen is so you can use, use a browser. A browser. <laughs> so yeah, you can watch YouTube on one in a browser, but that's not what I, I mean, want. You could, you could, you know, use your car as a planter. Yes, yes. You can do in life. It doesn't make it advisable. That's true. So mm-hmm. I, I said, um, I said to myself that mm-hmm. I thought it would be fun to start with the the one that's going to make it easier to do that. And the other thing is, I had read in all the reviews that the Google Assistant, uh, whatever that thing is, I don't know if it has a name, but the one where you say the keyword and Google will they're, answer, they're like so. That is the Google as Siri as to Apple. Whatever yeah, that whatever that thing is called. So. I had heard, and you had also kind of said this, that it it seems to do a better job understanding what you want. And I can tell you that is 1,000% been the case as I've been testing it. And Really? In terms of power or in terms of um, intuitiveness? Intuitiveness, for sure, in that mm-hmm. I, can, I can ask it to do something, and it's pretty good. You don't of, have to overthink your word choice yeah you can almost whereas when i'm interacting with uh, an amazon i won't say the keywords people don't Mm -hmm. worry when i'm interacting with amazon or when i'm interacting with the apple one i feel like i am modifying the way that i speak in a way that i so that so that it will understand me it's almost the way you would speak to somebody who maybe is english is a second language you're kind of trying to phrase it in a way that you hope these devices will understand you have to be both specific and unambiguous, yes. which sounds simple, but it's not. You have to remember the right order of things. You yes. have to avoid homonyms. You have to avoid like <laughs> terms of art. Right. Like, no, seriously, one of the most confusing things I've found, because I do use these things for these things, is like, do you want this to be on a reminders list? Do you want to be the, this to be on a notes list is one. And like, get, you know, getting those wrong can be kind of confusing, and then you you find yourself really overthinking. One can find oneself really overthinking this thing that that should ideally feel like the easiest thing in the world. The same way you would say, please close the door to somebody. You don't have to think about the door requires closing, please. You know what I mean? You don't have to, that's the fun. It, it takes all the fun out. Yes. And, and, and so with the Google one, it seems to be almost too good in some cases that I feel like I can just talk to it as if I was talking to an actual human assistant and it's going to understand it. I really don't get that. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes Amazon will just like, it just stop. It doesn't answer. It just stops. Or it'll say, I'm sorry, I can't do that now or something like that. Yeah, I own HomePod. HomePod for me is constantly doing, I can't really? do it on this device or yeah, it's, it's really, 
it's it's got how does one say anyway frustrating Google, you just yell across the room and like it seems to get what it is that you want. Right. And so here's something that surprised me that I didn't, I was not anticipating. I've mentioned that I have the Sonos One speaker and the Sonos One speaker primarily for this whole time that we've had it at home and used it, it's just been for basically playing music too. So either we throw music to it from another device or I use the kind of horrible Sonos app to browse playlists and, and pick stuff. Sonos app is so frustrating. But here's a weird thing. And it's, it's, it's like even more than Slack, it really does feel like this is like a, what do they call it, like a web view? Like just using the Sonos app, it really does feel like you're using a chumby. Like it needs a stylus on the iPhone to use. Uh, it's, <laughs> yeah. It's definitely not very intuitive. It's speaker first and everything else. Everything third. else. Yeah, third. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. But for me, what what I found, so first of all, these Google apps, you, you can't really use the Google Nest Hub without there is a, a home, the Google Home app that you kind of use to get it set up and going. It's I think it's required to do that. But what's interesting is it that app found the Sonos on the network and allowed me to connect it and now I can control what the Sonos is doing through the Google Nest Hub that's on the other you Isn't know that crazy? it's in the kitchen so I can tell it and so like but and it's I have found that it is better the thing that was annoying me so much about the uh, Amazon stuff is that I had up in another way up in another part of the house I had the original uh, tube and mm-hmm. half the time when I would say a foot, a foot away from the Sonos, hey, play such and such playlist on Spotify or whatever, that it would start playing in the other room, upstairs, wherever, you know, wherever Still, the other. I, yeah. I updated everything because it's gotten better. Not great by any means, but it's gotten better at that proximity thing of, I think you're talking to this one. I That's thought so it should do that. And I would, I would like, it wouldn't start to play. And I'd be like, why is no music playing? Oh, right. It's playing in the other end of the house where no one and that is has consequences right now. if like a baby sleeping or a wife <laughs> is sleeping. <laughs> yeah. So you don't want to, I've, I've done that accidentally throwing things to multiple speakers and it's like, you know, I have to work in the morning. Could you please not play Godspeed you black emperor? At one <laughs> so the, so you're not the boss of me. The, uh, the, the Google doesn't seem to have that problem. Even controlling the Sonos, it doesn't seem to have that problem. And <laughs> it's it's very good about you saying something like, play such and such in the kitchen. And it knows what that means. Or in the living room, it knows to send it to the other device. So I thought, okay, I'm going to get really smart about this. And I'm actually going to switch assistance on the Sonos to Google away from the Amazon one to, oh, wow. to the Google one. And I tried that and, and that was not as good because then Google didn't know as easily who I meant because they're not that far from each other. So I switched it back to Amazon. So I have now, I have Amazon in one room and Google in the connected room, but it's working. It's actually fine. And to answer mm-hmm. to the little follow-up about my big dilemma, which was I had a G Suite account and I couldn't get access to any of my calendars or any of this other stuff. You were getting everything but calendars right. available on your Google device, correct? Right, because I... And I, it's a known limitation of having owned a G Suite or 
had a G Suite account that you That's can't right. move those calendars. That's R- right. I could have I could have created a whole new Gmail account and moved the calendars and switched my YouTube subscription over to that new account and then it would have worked. But I found these as usual with Google because everything there is written by and for engineers. Um, uh, none of, who basically they have to use a translator to translate. Nope, not from a non-English language, but from a programming language into English. That's how their documentation works. I think all of all their of, documentation. It, if I understand correctly, a lot of it was written in Python. In Python. In Italian. Yeah. By the guy who invented Python. Yeah, I think so. Mm-hmm. So, I I was finally able to figure this out. And what I read it, I read Papa. Remember I was reading Papa about Papa to you on the last show? That that Papa weird about Papa. Yeah. So Papa. I filled out mm. the applications to join the beta program and everything else. I did this. Oh, right. I got no response from Google whatsoever. Nothing. Not even an indication that the email had been received. But then the next morning, it the little pop-up said you have such and such recording at this time. I'm why, like, why would what? that be, Dan? That's so strange. It just it just started working. I, I don't mm. like that because if it, it, in my old no. saying in in when I used to do IT support, our little expression around the office was, if it goes away by itself, it could come back by itself. And I have a feeling oh, that like, the reverse if might be true. Back to work. If you don't know what solved the problem, you didn't solve anything. <laughs> right. Right. You don't know why it was broken and how you fixed it. That's not technically mm-hmm, right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so somehow this just started working. I, I I assume that the application went where it was supposed to and somebody clicked a button to make it work. I assume. Maybe it oh, was a listener. Guido, Maybe a listener did it. I have Guido. no idea. Who's the name of the guy who invented Python? Guy Rambo? What's that guy's name? Who's the Python guy? Sly, Sly Rambo is his name. Uh, Guido Google. <laughs> It's a family name. They had to change it at Ellis Island, even though he's from Italy. Let's start over. And so, and is that working to your satisfaction now, Dan? It's working great. Everything works great. And uh, I'm, I'm very, very happy now. I went from being moderately happy to very happy with, with this purchase. I don't know if I would recommend it because I can't compare. I haven't, I don't have the Amazon show to compare it to. Well, I mean, it's almost like asking somebody, could you recommend what size pants I should buy? Right. And my general, I mean, my general, not particularly helpful advice would be, I don't know what your size is, but you should get the size that fits you. And it's like, well, you know, quit messing around and just tell me which one to get. Because it does depend. So one nice thing about Alexa and Google is that they've taken a very different approach to this stuff from in particular Apple, Mm. which is that they, or I would say actually their approach is closer to the way Netflix acts with streaming boxes where I think, Oh, come on. Really? This is working great. Let me turn this way down. Um, I have a, um, well, one thing before we, before we, before we transition away, the last thing that I want to ask you about, and maybe there's a way to do this and I just don't know it. Um, so let me let me give you a little example scenario. I'm watching. Um, Remind uh, me to come back to because that actually there actually is an important point to this. Go ahead. Okay. Do you want to do you want to do a first? You do a well, first. I, just, I mean, I did, but but, but I, I just I, I all I wanted to say was because they are very omnivorous, like Netflix with mm-hmm. streaming boxes. Mm-hmm. Alexa and Google, fortunate for everybody, runs lots of different places on lots of different things with fairly similarity uh, similar functionality from thing to thing, which is actually great. One one thing that's frustrating a little bit, a little bit with Apple is what it what it will support and what it can do straight out of the box. So in decide in helping someone try to decide what it is that they want, I think with you in particular, one of my biggest questions would be, well, what do you consider to be the ecosystem in which you have the most commitment or for which you have the most commitment? Right. For me, apart from Apple, that's a hundred percent Google. 
unlike a lot of Apple enthusiasts, I don't have all of my email and calendars on Apple. I have it all on Google. Right. And so in my case, it is very straightforward to say, well, you know, if I'm going to use this for stuff like, hey, dingus, tell me about my day or mm -hmm. whatever, mm -hmm. I would, that's extremely handy to me. And if you are somebody, for example, and there's so many great stuff to this, and, and I, I want to double come back to this because I think the intuitive, we remember this, the intuitiveness of the Google product over the uh, uh, Amazon product has long-term changes, benefits, effects. Um, but yeah, so anyway, sorry, that's all. I, I didn't mean to double interrupt you, but uh, it, it is, it's not as intuitive as, okay, what's on sale? Because you might find it extremely frustrating if it isn't until you've configured your nominally useful voice dingus to discover that it does not easily or naturally, organically, intuitively deal with the stuff for which you learn after using the thing, the things you actually want to do, rather than just the Fs and Bs on the uh, one sheet. Yes. Over. <laughs> um, basically, the scenario that I find myself in frequently is I will have told the Google Nest Hub to play something on YouTube. I'll go to YouTube and, and, and you can do that by saying YouTube and it'll open up YouTube and it will, because you have an account there and it's logged into your account, it knows your history. It shows recommended things. It's not, it's not as easy as I would like it to be to sort of navigate it. It's designed obviously to be navigated by voice first rather than touch first. So it's mm -hmm. not like you can easily <laughs> scroll through and find like, I want to go right to my subscriptions. And then these are the five new videos that came out today. I'm going to scroll down and pick the third one. It, it doesn't, I mean, you can do that, but I don't know how to get to my subscriptions or how to show things like that. I can tell it exactly the name of the video. If I want to, if I know the name of the video that I want it to play, it's really good about finding that. Um, you know, even if it's an obscure name, like if I want to watch the, you know, Rob Ager's video about how the five theories of how Jack escaped the storage room. Okay. I can tell it the name of that video or vaguely about what I want to see. And it's really good at finding it. But mm -hmm. let's say that while I'm watching this video, that my phone rings and I get a call and I tell it to pause. It doesn't seem to work consistently if I just say play or resume, it might resume my Spotify playlist or whatever. And now it's right. I don't know this how another to problem with the, 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 the word stop. Cause sometimes when I'm, we're, let's say we're watching or listening to something in the kitchen while we cook and you get, uh, you say my pasta timer goes off and you yell stop. Well, sometimes it, it understandably, I think, misinterprets that you're trying to stop this reminder alarm or are you trying to stop MSNBC from Hulu? Right. There's a little bit of, uh, for once, I'm going to use this word almost correctly, I think, namespace pollution. And again, you know, it's really, things mean different things. So when I tell my dingus stop, that is a different thing from when I say, hey, dingus, go home, which is a term of art on, on uh, the Amazon product. The other one I ran into is, well, I have this great, I've told you this, I had this great routine. I have this great routine for when I leave my office. It shuts off all the lights. It turns on the alarm. It has a pause to like give me time to get out. It does mm. all this great stuff. But f I, I know I told you this, but it's frustrating because it used to be, I used to say, hey, Dingus, I'm going home. And that's too close to things. You don't know, like how on like, 
on HomeKit, you can't do a lot of stuff with like good morning and good night because those are already they come like straight out oh, of the box. Oh, yeah. In this case, it kept thinking I was trying to say something different than what I was saying. Like I wanted commute directions. So I changed that to Here I Go. And then for a month, every time I said, hey, Dingus, Here I Go, it played the song Here I Go by something called Mystical with a K. <laughs> and then that stepped on my recommendations because now it thinks I like something called Mystical, Mystical with a K. Mystical with a K, yeah. And so at one point I changed it to Robble Robble or I was trying to find, make up like just nonsense mm -hmm, words. Mm-hmm. But that, you know, Dan, you're right though. That is frustrating. And when you get into the thing where I do, like, I'll I'll throw to. I've built uh, three shortcuts for this, where I can throw to multiple speakers or sets of speakers, particular named sets of speakers. Mm -hmm. But when you get into the sets of speakers, the combination of not being able to hear you as well, which you know, again, stuff like the Apple product does that well. But it's it, I panic, and I'm like, oh, ah, ah, ah. I'm like somebody like I forgot that I know how to balance on a bike, so I fall off the bike. Right. Like if the phone rings, I'm like ah, ah and I'm just I'm just screaming random things. I'm yelling at the wrong device. It's that's really that could be a little bit frustrating. I so you don't you're what I hear you saying is you don't know how I can resume a video that I was watching before. How I get back to the one that I was on on the uh, Google device. Yeah, I'll bet you dimes to donuts it's documented because they're pretty good about that stuff. All right. Um, most of the stuff I force myself to learn with that involves, well, here, and here's another thing with Google and YouTube, say what you will, but you know, like I say, they're omnivorous. They work, Google products work with lots of different things because they, they want as much of your stuff. They want you to be using their stuff a lot, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so like in my case, like how many times a night do I yell something at, you know, the Apple TV, you know, Hey dingus, Play the Mother We Share by Churches on YouTube. Mm. Like that's pretty much in my bones. Mm -hmm. um, the bones of what we believe, as churches would say. But the uh, but you learn that they're what what the I'm not I'm trying I'm struggling to find the right what is the phrase for this the uh, not patois or but the thing that you're supposed to say in the right order to make a thing happen. You know Americans and people, English speakers understand sentences because the things go in a particular order, and you rarely say things like. May I mambo dog face to the banana patch? <laughs> so I, I know that kind of thing. I've learned subtle things that shouldn't be subtle. I know if I say to Siri, what we do in the shadows, I can almost promise you it will find me the movie, what we do in the shadows. It may or may not find the TV show. I, I haven't checked that. But for example, if you have something that is the name of a TV show and a movie, like you, you'll have better luck finding the TV show uh, by doing that, that, uh, that odd bit of... Uh, that odd bit of rhetoric that uh, John Roderick and I use, <laughs> mm -hmm. where you say, hey, dingus, find the TV show What We Do in the Shadows. And it, you will have good luck with that. The other thing that's just without parallel, I, I mean, not without parallel, but that's just amazing, is last night I took a flyer, and I'm always amazed when this works. I say, hey, dingus, find the episode of Party Down with Jimmy Simpson. And it brought it straight up in Hulu. That's really cool. Have you ever done that? I mean, mm. the kinds of things that Tim shows you at these things, right? they really do work. You could say, uh, oh, who's the guy with a particular set of skills? Checks the midichlorians. What's that guy's name? It's not Gerard <laughs> Depardieu. What's his name? <laughs> I don't know. He might be Irish. I He's don't know. He's got a particular know. set of skills and he wants his goddamn daughter. What's his name? I don't... Uh... Gerard Depardieu? What's the guy's no. name? <laughs> From Taken, he's Kui John Kong. What's From Taken, um, yeah, yeah, Taken. The he's Shadow got a knows. Set of skills and he checks the midichlorians. What's his name? I'll tell you. Hold Is it on, Gerard Depardieu. What's no, his name? Uh, hold on. Is it I'm Jean Moreau. Stop. I'm getting there. Liam Neeson. If you say so. 
So you could say something like, uh, hey, Dingus, find uh, Liam Neeson movies. <laughs> and it'll do that. And yeah. now, I love this. I remember when they first showed this. It might not have been Tim, but whoever first showed this, I, I thought this was so cool, and it actually does work. You say, show, show me Liam Neeson movies. You, you say this to your handheld remote Dingus for your Apple TV. Show me Liam Neeson movies. And then you say, just the good ones. And it'll, <laughs> it'll winnow that down to the, the, you know, I guess, higher rated films. Like stuff like that, so intuitive, so great. Another thing in passing that one of the reasons I, I, well, I want to talk just for a minute if we can mm-hmm. more about the nest because there's a couple other things that are great. Like, okay, so uh, Google and Amazon products both work with lots of things as stipulated. For a lot of those Amazon things, you're going to need something called a skill. Now, skills are a mixed bag because on the one hand, oh my gosh, this is so great. You could do things like if you like if you're a fan of the TV show Tim and Eric, you could say uh, you could say Hey Dingus uh, runs Celery Man, and it'll it'll has a whole but somebody's made an Amazon skill that just does the Paul Rudd bit from Tim and Eric, where he watches a computer video of himself dancing in a very weird erotic way, <laughs> and he says you can have your Dingus say the things, but that's really cute, that's fun. You could have it bark like a dog or mew like a cat or whatever, which is cool. You could play Connect Four or answer trivia questions or 20 questions. Right? There's all that, right? But the, each one of those is a skill. And a skill, as far as I know, must be manually flipped on, which for something like Celery Man is cool. I'll find that for notes. But it's a little, also a little frustrating because it doesn't always understand, like, oh, you've got to, like, say, like, if you've got Wemo lights and it discovers Wemo lights, you need to tell it, you need to say, like, get this skill for that. And the skills can be a real mixed bag because it's, you know, it's basically a crappy GitHub, just a bunch of people making stuff and putting it out. I found, in, at least in my experience, that Google handles that way better. Even though you are, yes, you are using that kind of annoying Google Home app, I found it more intuitive at dealing with stuff like that. I think it's better at discovery, like with uh, the Amazon product, you say, hey, Dingus, discover my devices, and hopefully if everything's turned on, it'll find it. Uh, I'm rambling a little bit, but that to me is another important piece of ultimately UI and UX is that I think Google does a smoother and more intuitive job of getting you up and running with the things that you want. Um, you know, I, I think that's another, that's another reason that I think it's, it's great. And finally on this, that I feel like I'm not about to say that nobody else can do this, but you know, that feeling, Dan, it's mm. that old Mac user feeling. Mm. Of, I'm just going to, there's a thing that I want, what I want is to be able to do this thing. And I'm just going to take a flyer and try a thing and see what happens. And when you just try a thing and it does exactly what you wanted, it's such a great feeling. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's part of what brought so much delight to the Mac over the years is like, Oh, you know, this is going to sound simple to you, but like the first thing you learn the command C in Mac, write Copies. And like, without knowing any different, you say, Oh, if I do that in Mac paint, well that copy too. And you're like, Oh my God, that worked here too. Or, like, I just say, this is the one, Dan, this is the one where I first got real impressed with the Google product, mm-hmm. is, um, I think it was whatever day it was, my daughter and I were going to go to our local library, and I think I actually said something like, hey, Dingus, what time does my library open? Mm-hmm. Now, if you do that for my library, my Walgreens, my Wawa, like, whatever that is, mm-hmm. it's real good at figuring out, without you having to intuit what the steps would be, right? You don't need to do you don't need to do like a UML diagram in your head to figure this out. It just says, it just, without you, without saying anything, it's, it realizes, okay, 
Merlin just asks for this. This is the closest Walgreens. Ergo, what time does that Walgreens, which is the Walgreens closest, what time does that open? Mm. And it's pretty good. Now, now, that may not seem like a big deal. Maybe not from a, like a programming standpoint, but like that's the kind of thing I'm looking for with this. In the same way that it's always been so interesting to me to just capture a lot of data without even knowing what, you know, sort of ambient background data, health, you know, fitness, all those things. Mm-hmm. You know, someday, someday that might be useful. And in that instance, like that's, that's so useful to me. It's, and it's also better than the Apple stuff at doing follow-up things. If you have that kind of mode turned on, for example, on Amazon, have you ever done the thing where you ask it a question and then you ask like a follow-up question without having to restate all the terms that establish what you're asking for? Let yeah. me try one. I'm gonna try yeah, one. Try one. Um, there's gonna be a quick pause here. I'm just is off the dome. Um, how tall is Danny DeVito? Danny DeVito is four feet ten inches tall. What year was he born? 1944. Okay. Pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's what you want. That's that's, that's the magic. What you want. <laughs> yes. That yes. it knows, and it has a concept injury, of, of Siri will say like context. You know, I was not born. I am computer machine. Ha <laughs> right. ha! Designed in California. Mm-hmm. It's like okay, okay, buddy. That's like after you've disappointed me, don't make a joke. You're not my daughter. Um. Hmm. So uh, I think you. I think you chose well. Well, I I, I hope so. And I think the 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 thing. Well, while you were telling me that story, I googled. And found there is an article. Why don't I put this in the show notes? Do uh, it. The article is called Watch YouTube TV on Your Google Nest Display. That's the title of the article. But underneath it, there is in in what looks like eight-point font, there are things that it says, you know, from this screen to do this, do the following. So if you... It, this is all about YouTube. So if you want to play or pause, it, it's important that you say play or pause and not stop. Okay. So it's teaching you the, the what do they call that? The command language. The only. command language. because Something like that. I read another article while I was searching for this article that I closed the tab on so I can't put it in the show notes. Sorry. But the person in that one was saying, basically, if you say stop, that's like a word that says to Google, stop everything that you're doing and go to the home screen. Like, I don't oh, want you to just okay. pause, like, get out of there, get out, get to the beginning. And that's, that is smart and very good to know. It, I didn't know that. So it's play, like pulling the plug almost. It's like pulling the plug. So apparently play the words play and pause are what I need to remember to do. But you can also say things to it like... Um, uh, show me YouTube. Well, obviously, if you're watching TV, you can tell it YouTube TV. But the same thing, th- these were f- specific for YouTube TV. I couldn't find an article like this for just YouTube. But I'm assuming really? that the same thing would probably work there with the play and the pause and the other things yeah. like that. Yeah, sure. But I wish there was an easy way that if I wanted to, to just get back to the thing that I was doing before, whatever it was. So, for example... Maybe And maybe the key is just not saying stop ever. But like, wouldn't it be cool to say, I feel like listening to music and say, hey, play me some music on Spotify and it listens. And you say, you know what? Now I want you to go back to YouTube. Go back to YouTube mm-hmm. and finish what I was watching. It knows what I was watching. It knows what the last thing that I watched was, but I'll I don't. That's, I, I'll bet that's documented somewhere, Dan. I'm going to keep looking. Very... I'm going to keep looking. Yeah, I, I, 
I think so. There's a, there's a, a topic that's come up several times on Roderick on the Line because I think John and I both find it fascinating. I'm on the Wikipedia page for a procedure word, and I think we've talked about this here. Mm-hmm. But it's that idea that, well, it's it's a really novel idea in this, as they say, day and age. But it's the idea that words mean things. And that words should be unambiguous, especially in a tactical and, like, for example, military environment. Famous example of this being, you might have noticed sometimes if I don't understand clearly what a person says, I'll say to them, come again. Excuse me. Sorry. Um, come again? Because come again is what you say to somebody when you want them to, one, one way to ask somebody to repeat what they said. Mm-hmm. And come again has a specific meaning. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't mean another thing, right? So, for example... Why do I? Why wouldn't I just say? Could you repeat that, or just say repeat? Because guess what? Repeat has a specific is a specific procedure word too. Now maybe right. this wasn't the smartest choice. Repeat means refire your artillery at the same place you shot it last time. Now, me asking. Let's be. It's very important that if all I really want to know is that you tell me, you know, what we're having for lunch in the mess hall is very different from bomb the village again. So that's, I think it is smart to be unambiguous, but it's also smart in this case to like make it kind of consumer friendly. And some, you know, some girls are bigger than others. There, there are some, there are some of these places that will do that well. Look at this page though. It's, it's a, it's in show notes, procedure word, read it. I think it's very illuminating. Dan, we, where would people find show notes for episode 530 of your back to work program? Oh, back to work dot limo slash 530. 530. Mm-hmm. Um, I read about this. Um, and I, I'm trying to remember if I ever did it. I might've done this, but never used it. Mm. But just so you know, it is said, well, okay. For example, like, is there, what if I just want to use the Google voice assistant rather than the Apple home assistant, but I have Apple devices. Well, you know, you're kind of out of luck. You're gonna, you know, be doing, you know, stuff, but you know what you can do? Hmm. Uh, it is said, and I have not tried this, so don't at me. Um, make a, make a series shortcut and where the, um, basically the alias, instead of saying like, like you, you know, you can say to your phone, open Google home with Siri pressed. So one idea is to say, instead, um, make the hail word, uh, Hey Google. Mm-hmm. Oh, damn it. I'm sorry, you guys. Hey, ding. <laughs> if you make that, if you make that the Siri, if you make a Siri shortcut and that's how you hail it, posposably there, there are articles out there where posposably you can hack your Apple devices. Hack. You can do things with your Apple devices to make it easier to use the word that's intuitive to you to get to the Google thing and ask things. Is that tricky? Do you follow yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. <sighs> mm. I hope you like it. Oh, you know, um, I lost this one in the lights a little bit. As I said to you, as I say to all, all the kids, one of the things I love the most, read as use the most, the one of these that sits on the table at our house is I love the photos. Love, love, love the photos. Because like a weirdo, um, I keep all of my um, Apple photos synced with Google photos. You know, in addition to belt and suspenders, it's also, I mean, which I think is a very good idea. It, it also, there are things about the Google photo service that's really, really quite good. Um, and one of these things is it's just, as with, again, the Amazon product, if you use Amazon Photos, all you have to do is basically hit a button and you could can associate your photos with that device. But like, it's hard for me to describe to you. If you have somebody in your life who you like, uh, and I do, I have at least a couple, mm-hmm. uh, photos. It knows, so Google's smart, right? Google knows, like, it, it's done some face recognition in my case. 
It knows things I favored it. It has a pretty good idea that, that there's this baby I took a lot of photos of and keep taking pictures of. That must be an important person. We're just walking down the hallway, and I'll hear my, my wife or, or me, you'll hear this, uh. and that means I know that we just saw a really good photo in there. Um, it's a great picture frame. It sounds so dumb and so obvious and so like, you know, Grandpa Uncle Joe, but, it, you know, it's really neat to me that one of the options is to have your photos just show up on this thing like it's a frame. If you never check the temperature, you never check your commute, and it is good for that, the Google device. It's just great that you get these photos. And then as I showed you, showed you in that little demo, you can always say favorite this. And uh, it's pretty neat. Like if there's two photos up on the left and the right, it'll say the one on the left or the one on the right. And you can say the one on the right. And then, you know, just living your life and walking around the house, A, you get a little bit of delight from seeing photos that make you happy, hopefully. And B, you're also uh, feeding the machine, teaching it like these are my good photos. It's a good system. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is going on in your neck of the woods? Hmm. <clears throat> Let me see here. Oh, oh, oh. You know what? what? How about this? Do you want? Did you want to talk about Stanley Kubrick? I mean, a little bit. It would be kind of cool. What if I drop my do my quick my quick media? Yeah, thing, do your and stuff. You, you take you you drive us home. You you take us to the Overlook Hotel of your mind. Yeah, let's do that. I'll make this fast. Two, two, two things, uh, two pieces of media. It's always two media with me um, that I've run across this week. And I recommend, uh, particularly two listeners of this particular show. Um, one is a piece that I ran across. Um, you know, when you're looking at an Instapaper, uh, it has that section browse where it just shows you like, you know, popular things mm-hmm. other people have read. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is really in our wheelhouse. And I'm clicking to find the exact article. Well, it's already in notes. Um, it's, uh, from a publication I had not heard of called fs.blog, but the piece is called Efficiency is the Enemy. Now, hang on, keep in your pants. This is not going to be just, just the typical turns out that the people churn out. Um, Efficiency is the Enemy, uh, written by whom? Oh, come on. Don't put a byline at the bottom. What are you, the New York Times? I can't even tell who wrote this. <laughs> Oh, well, maybe it's all the same person. Reading time, eight minutes. Okay, eight minutes. Um, In the deck, there's a good chance most of the problems in your life and work come down to insufficient slack. Here's how slack works and why you need more of it. And just to be clear, we are talking about neither the app uh, nor the uh, the subgenius philosophy. Mm -hmm. Basically, what they're saying is that all this, this drive to be more efficient, and I know, I know, efficiency versus effectivity, right? Ladder against the right wall. But efficiency being this idea that we're, we're tacitly always demanding that employees and coworkers be operating at this extremely high level or this extremely efficient level, or candidly, that they look like they're operating at that very efficient level. And I just thought this was an interesting um, response to that kind of uh, culture. They're saying here they're basically speculating on what if you did an undercover boss thing with the CEO whose name is Tony. He disguises himself um, Arriving at the no doubt smoke filled office, you're you're a little surprised to find it's far from a hive of activity. So you have this woman called Gloria. Gloria's an assistant. She doesn't appear busy at all. You observe for half an hour as she reads, tidies her desks, and chats with other secretaries who pass by. They don't seem busy either. Um, anyway, so what you discovered though is that Gloria is ruthlessly efficient at doing what needs to be done in the moment. She does indeed do nothing much of the time, but every so often a request, instruction, or alert comes from Tony, and she leaps into action. Within minutes, she answers the call, sends the letter, reschedules the appointment, etc. As a result, Tony's day goes smoothly and efficiently. Every minute of his time goes on the most important part, not dealing with trivial inconveniences. The point being that I think 
one thing that they're getting at in this article is that you don't do yourself a favor by demanding 100% efficiency of yourself or others. Well, why did this, why was this good for me? Yeah. I just think this is an interesting article to read uh, after the last year. And this is, if it's not obvious yet from four different podcasts, how obsessed I am with thinking about what the change is, the cultural, the cultural, professional, team, societal changes that the COVID pandemic caused. Uh, and even even more saliently, what it's going to change in the future. Like anybody here who's had to like mostly work from home when they didn't before, have you noticed different things about your job? A lot about your job changed very quickly. Oh, yeah. Right? yeah. Not only are you not going to the office anymore, the other people you work with aren't going to the office mm -hmm. anymore. Maybe the kind of business you do has changed. Uh, not even just that your Portland distillery went all in on hand sanitizer, <laughs> but everybody's, every kind of company has changed, at least in subtle ways. Very few nouns in America, title, very few nouns in, uh, in America are, have been um, unperturbed in the last 12 to 18 months. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested in thinking about that. And the reason this feels germane to me is a good article. It's not two turns out. Uh, but... You know, I feel like there's BS I miss and BS I'll never miss. BS I will never again suffer. Partly just because there's been a permission structure to say no to BS in a way that was not considered uh, socially permissible before. You know, I, I have I have widely celebrated the lowered expectations of 2020. Um, and I don't know. I'm just curious what comes next. You know, I as with so many things... I think, I think for example, of the Embarcadero Highway. If you go Google... Um, Go, go, go Google uh, San Francisco Embarcadero Highway. There used to be this, this real eyesore. If you've ever seen that, that sh one of those five shots of San Francisco will be that, and this is on your screensaver. You've seen it in tons of movies. You see it in Zodiac. Mm. Uh, oh, I know the one you're coming talking. Coming in yep. over the water. Yes. And that really pretty like white building with the tower and the clock on it. Mm -hmm. That's the ferry building, which is an actual building where ferries go in and out and there's stores and... Um, so up until, uh, I believe it was 1989, there was a highway over in Embark the Embarcadero, it's called, that street, you know. Mm -hmm. But like, like a lot of, like a few things in San Francisco, you see this with Division and I think 101, but you'll see like there's this, there's like a highway that goes over a road in town. Thanks, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> and then, so there'll be like these multi-levels of highway. And what you see on the ground looks so different from what you see when you're looking down from the highway. Mm. And you like, I still geographically have trouble. Wait a minute. So that's the that's the jail. That's the clock tower. That's the hotel Utah. Like none of those things are where they seem like they should be. But in the, until 1989, there was an actual effing highway in front of the ferry building. That beautiful mm. building. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. This is crazy. Well, Ronald Reagan had this wonderful idea that there would be he should he should run a highway through the center of San Francisco. And so, like, there was way more that was supposed to go terrible. I think that's how we got 101, which goes right through these beautiful neighborhoods in town. Um, but then in 1989, something happened. There was an earthquake. And a bunch of the Embarcadero basically fell down. It was, it was horrible. Lots of injuries. Terrible stuff happened. Long story short, they used the opportunity, the tragedy of the earthquake, as an opportunity to go, do we really want to rebuild this horrible highway in front of this beautiful building? Is there any way we could live without that <laughs> highway? And... Now we live without that highway mm -hmm. and it's, it's, it's not a big deal. Like <laughs> there's other things like we, you, you, you accommodate. And I don't know. Life isn't always like that. Playing God and Yellowstone, all that kind of thing. But, um, 
gosh, the earthquake of the last year, couldn't this be an opportunity to say, do we really want to rebuild the Embarcadero? Because there's so much stuff in the world of work, the sort of, which I'm a little bit, you know, just aside of, I haven't had a really real jobby job in a while, but I see it all the time. I see my poor, beloved, and super intelligent wife having to just sit there on mute for like a six hour meeting. Oh my God. Dozens and dozens of people on a Zoom meeting Mm -hmm. muted. A lot of them are not, I mean, not in her case so much. She'll talk to like her boss or something, but there are people just having a whole back channel. My daughter's making memes. Because she's just muted all day long on this this school project that's mm-hmm. mostly about talking about Zoom. It's right. the worst. Right. So do we really want to rebuild the Embarcadero? Or do we want to do we really want to rebuild the highway? Or do we want to appreciate a much more pleasant ferry building? And so that's why an article like this really makes me think. You know, are there benefits that we can eke out of this horrible time? Are there things that we have learned? Are there things that you know, and this is even coming up now in these hiring numbers, like how the supposedly the number of new jobs that was announced last week was like something like a third or a quarter of what people expected. And there's been some pretty good thinky pieces about saying, well, it's also it's possible that there are people who like don't want to go back to their incredibly crappy job for seven dollars an hour. And there are other people who are, who are taking just a broader view of like what's going to be what's going to be tolerable, what's going to be desirable in the future. Like what should the world of work look like? And I'll be so bummed if we miss this opportunity to, you know, while we're to just end up rearranging deck chairs while we like never fix the hole that the iceberg caused. Like, can we learn something from this? And anyway, check this out. It's at fs.blog. It's called Efficiency is the Enemy. And it was written by Reading Time Eight Minutes. What? (laughs) That's one. The other one, real quick. Uh, 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 I can't do too much, Ezra Klein. But occasionally Ezra Klein will have a really good guest on his podcast. And he's, he's fine. He's fine. But uh, he had a guest on that I think y'all might really want to check out. Okay. This was, a, this was a podcast episode from, I think, fairly recently. Um, hang on. I apologize. No, Just it's okay. Here. It's okay. Thank you. You're very, you're very tolerant. Uh, April 20th, hmm. 2021. Uh, t- uh, this is the Ezra Klein Show which oddly enough is hosted by Ezra Klein. <laughs> um, that anxiety you're feeling, question mark, it's a habit that you can unlearn. Deck, an addiction psychiatrist, counterintuitive approach to dealing with worry, craving, and anxiety. So Ezra Klein from the Ezra Klein show uh, interviews this guy, uh, and his name is, he has a funny name. He has a funny, like a, like a jokey uh, name. Uh, oh God, what the hell's his name? Wait, where's the rest? Where's my transcript? Where's my transcript? What's happening? Where's my transcript? Grace! The guy's name is Judson Brewer. He likes to be called Dr. Judd, which I think is a little suspicious. And Judson Brewer uh, has written a book called Unwinding Anxiety, colon, New Science Shows How to Break the Cycles of Worry and Fear to Heal Your Mind. Okay, I know, I know. You, you've seen and heard a lot of this already. So have I. Check out this interview, because he said some things in here that, that I found, um, if not profound, at least very thought-provoking. And his idea of, of saying, and blah, 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 something, something, Science sauce. The idea that uh, anxiety can be a habit is a very interesting idea to mm-hmm, me. Mm-hmm. Very related in some ways to what we think of. What is, what's the kind of thing we want to fix with cognitive behavioral, behavioral therapy? You know, it, isn't it? It's funny how CBT in some ways seems so similar to mindfulness. Mm-hmm. You know, remembering to stay in the moment, not finding yourself led around, you know, by the nose. And I think he makes an interesting case for saying, 
Well, there are certain kinds of sort of dopamine-based rewards that, as you would say, Dan, come out of our evolution. Like, I learned where the food is. The food didn't kill me. I like this place. There are certain kinds of associations that we make, and we unintentionally end up creating these habits. Uh, I would say check it out. You might want to check out this podcast, which is in notes. You might want to check out his book. I want to read you one part that, uh, that kind of grabbed me. I thought this was good. Uh, one of the phrases, and he's real good at these phrases, uh, this idea is something he calls the, the bigger, better offer, which is when your mind is carrying you around by anxiety and, you know, he's, he's citing research that says some, some 40% of the time people are thinking about something besides what's happening right now. Mm. You find yourself distracted by the past and the future. And really, what is anxiety? Anxiety is some kind of terrible feeling about the past or the future in most cases. If you hate what you're doing right now, that's probably more to, more fear or revulsion. It's anxiety that drives our feelings about the future. Mm. And this sort of problem-solving mode that we accidentally slide into when we're not really trying to solve anything at all. Our, our monkey mind is just running around. And so he's talking about the bigger, better offer, uh, as her client is saying to him. Um, uh, the next piece of your book is uh, not just about watching these feelings and trying to update your somatic, how you feel in your body your somatic reward system, but it's actually replacing it. This was really striking to me that a lot of your big solution is about crowding out or what you call the bigger, better offer. And um, I don't know. Um, let me just quote a little bit of this. So when I procrastinate, I realize this is Judd Brewer, Dr. Judd, as I call him speaking. So when I procrastinate, I realize it actually makes me farther behind on the project and it doesn't feel good, that good in itself. It might give me some temporary distraction, but it doesn't actually get anything done. So when I see, oh, when I'm procrastinating, I'm actually farther behind. It feels bad, and I worry more. Then that opens the door for something better. So the bigger, better offer. Broadly speaking, anything, I'm getting to the good part, um, anything that is better than the previous behavior is something that our brain is going to prefer. Okay, here's the good part. Two key buckets that, uh, that don't become uh, habituated are curiosity and kindness. Mm. Curiosity and kindness. This really grabbed me. So here I highlight curiosity. And again, see also Doctor Who, or excuse me, the Doctor. We're like before he's scared, he's curious. I love that. Before he's hateful, he's curious. Before he's violent, he's curious. And the Doctor always finds a way to to be curious about something before having an emotional reaction to it. And that that is a that's something I find very inspiring. And it says that my lab did this big study with several hundred people where we not only measured the reward value of these different mental states, found that shocker, curiosity feels better than anxiety. Check out this piece. Uh, so uh, this is from show notes for this uh, Ezra Klein episode. And I found that very stimulating because that's something I've heard before. And it's something that I feel like I know. And yet it's something that I find myself. I'll, I'll find any way to let my head slide unintentionally up my butt. <clears throat> and it just stays there and looks around and, and sniffs and makes a map and has lots of, you know, lots of, lots of sad feelings. And, Something that I have found to be true, first of all, if you're occupied in something that's not generating those sorts of anxious feelings, I mean, this is one reason I like writing show notes. This is one reason, you know, I like working on Home Assistant. I'm not looking at Twitter. I'm not doing all that dumb stuff that just generates anxiety. I'm, I am in some, some sense there being curious, but also kindness. Mm -hmm. It's difficult for your head to stay too far or long in your butt when you're being curious and when you're being kind. And that, and I'm not, I'm not even just saying this is not just a, you know, a, um, you know, gratitude meditation kind of thing, although that's incredibly valuable too. But it's that if you can find a way to go, the word uh, for it he uses is, hmm. If you can find a way to look at something and go, hmm, 
like get curious about it. And the third one of these that I would mention on my own is uh, try to find a way to make it funny. It's like for uh, this is printed on my computer screen right here. Well, the great Fellini. Remember, this film is supposed to be a comedy. If you can find a way to find some humor and self-effacing humor, even in something that's troubling you right now, which seems like the most impossible thing in the world because you're extremely important. Um, you know, that's my addition. Curiosity and kindness, for sure. Also, try to find a way to realize the funny part about this. Or as, as Clarence Clement says, Someday we'll look back <laughs> on this and it will all seem funny. <laughs> okay. And then he, play, he plays a saxophone. Right. He, he only really has a couple riffs. Uh, R.I.P. to a real one. Yeah. Anxiety's no good, Dan. You don't want that. Mm-mm. Well, that's the worst thing. It eats I you up. I find alive. it extremely distracting and not, not in a wholesome way. Eats you up. Talk to me about the great Stanley Kubrick, a.k.a. Adam Lissagor. What are we talking about? Here? Yeah, there are. <laughs> Thank you. It's uncanny sometimes. I know. I, I, I just, it blows me away. It has to if be. If he had like slightly more arched eyebrows, he would look exactly like Kubrick. There has to be an awareness of that, right? I mean, he's got to know. No, it's been, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been noted. Yeah. Okay. I'll, find, I'll find a good link for notes. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so <laughs> I've been, you know, I find that the Stanley Kubrick films as a collection of films seem to hold up really well. And there is a guy, I'll put it in the show notes. Uh, let me find him. He, his name, everyone has seen his stuff. Everyone listening to this program, I guarantee you, has seen the, his stuff. All of you. Everyone, they, you may not know it, but you have watched his stuff on YouTube. If you've ever listened to this show or an episode of the old talk show, or we've ever anything to, because this guy has the market cornered on analyzing Kubrick films, among other films. He has, wow. he has two channels. One of them is called Collative Learning, C-O-L-L-A-T-I-V-E. That's in the show notes. He also has another channel that's just his name in it, but he also looks at the alien films. And this is the video that I sent you a few weeks ago. Um, Mm-hmm. That uh, that talks about it. He also has a whole s- a bunch of them where he's talking about like dissecting Silence of the Lambs and Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs, and so this stuff is really really good. And he's got so many now. His main thing is he's got his own website where you can go and watch all of his like offline stuff. But I'm been watching just his regular, um, his regular channel. And not and and just if you want to support him, you can. But he yeah. he does good stuff. So anyway, I've been really into like his analysis of these different movies, and it's caused me to want to go back and watch the movies again. You know, he'll watch a movie five times in a row and make thirty pages of notes and put these videos Jeez. together. He's like the John Syracuse of you know. Remember the old. And uh, every time a new version of Mac OS would come out, you'd get this, yeah. you know, 300 page document. He's basically doing this for like Kubrick films and alien movies. And it's great. He's great. Anyway, I recommend well, you know, just real, real quick. Can you give me a sense of where he figures on. Well, OK, put it any way you want. I was yeah. about to say, is he a lunatic? No. Uh, can, what's his. So he's not he's not like the 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 the, the windows and mirrors and hallways guy. Um, That's a different guy we talked about, right? I think. No, that's that's him. That's him. That's him. Whoa! So he's the guy who talks about the goofy sticker. It's that guy. Uh, he he has talked about that also. Um, but he oh. is not. Yeah, I am not a crank. 
he does not seem crazy. He seems like he's really good at just analyzing all of this stuff and noticing these crazy little details. So the latest video I watched from him to give you a, an idea about it is he has a video on just because he did this whole series on Full Metal Jacket where he mm-hmm. talks about um, how, check this out, how um, Private Pile is actually animal mother they are one in the same character if they you look remi- a lot the same they look in, a lot the same on purpose because really yes Adam baldwin and vincent d'onofrio of yes that because one looks more ripped than the other it's a kid from my bodyguard who turned out to be a little bit of a right wing but knight. if you remember and uh kingpin if you remember hartman comes out and says you were born again hard right yeah and then i'm just in case there's people who haven't seen the movie i'm going to say what uh uh, private pile does next but then there's two different parts there's two roughly halves to the movie. yes the first half is at i believe paris island the second half is in you know serving in uh, i believe vietnam but right? if you yes but if you look at these two characters if mm-hmm. you think of them as one character there is the one that begins the one that ends there are mirrored shots born again hard there are mirrored shots that show what? for example you see Pile falling down, unable to get through the mud. His friend's having to pick him up. He's holding everyone back. People are falling. And then you've got the exact opposite shot of um, Animal basically leading the the people in a very similar shot. There's so many shot after shot after shot. So anyway, he's done this whole series on Full Metal Jacket, which is amazing. But then one of them, he has a video (laughs) just on the monolith that appears in the background on fire in one of the in in a couple of these scenes where they're dealing with um cowboy after cowboy's taken over the platoon and they're showing this monolith in the background when they're wait okay so we say monolith and we're not talking about 2001 no we're still talking about uh full and metal jacket is it when they're in the village yes it's in it's okay. in the village it's after um cowboy's taken over command of the platoon and they're running through trying to get to the sniper i love cowboy and you can see this prominently in the background and in typical Kubrick fashion, he's like, Oh, it's just coincidence. We didn't plan that, but it's so clearly staged and set with it in the background and multiple shots. And some shots even have it as the main sort of center of the shot with the character off to the side. And he's talking about the symbolism of the. It's just really good. His stuff is really good. So anyway, recommendation, I put it into the show notes Great. I recommend pretty much all of these videos on this stuff. It's really good. You know, only two things uh, come from Texas. <laughs> That's Yes, Bar- I've heard that. Barbecue and podcast with one of you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I like the first half of that movie a lot. Um, any, Anything, uh, well, we're running, I got an hour in here. Mm-hmm. We should, uh, we should drop it like it's hot. Let's do it. Um. Is there anything else? We still have to talk about Rabbit Rabbit someday. Um, I guess that's probably it, huh? That's it. Oh, thank you all for joining us today. Um, uh, I'm sorry for how I am. (laughs) 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 Okay, let's button this up. Well, before you do it, you made me think of this, and I'll I'll add this. There was, uh, remember the the, uh, amazing show NYPD Blue? Yes. Do you remember uh, Sibowix in that show? What I remember is when that show came on the air, uh, th- it was famous because it was showing stuff on TV. You don't usually show on, mm, on TV. Mm-hmm. And one of them was, um, uh, was it Bunce? Yeah, Beverly Hills Bunce. That guy, Sipowitz, you see his butt at one point, I believe. Right. Um, so I guess what I'm saying is what I remember is, and, and who was the guy? 
uh, it's the guy, Stephen Bochco, maybe? The guy who created anyway, the, the show, yeah. Am I having a stroke, Dan? It, 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 was, it was a show where they showed stuff you didn't normally see. Yes. And uh, yes, yeah, so Sipwitz. That's, is, Sipwitz and Bunce, are those different people? I think, I think Sipwitz, they were. Sipwitz, isn't that the guy with the mustache with the guy with the Chicago accent? Dennis Franz was the actor that played him. Oh, Dennis Franz. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and that's Dennis def, 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 different from Dennis Farina? Who am I thinking of? Was that the guy in the band? Who am I thinking of? I'm not, I'm not sure. Franz, Franz Ferdinand is the Scottish band that started World War I. Someone stick a, stuck their fingers in the president's ear, and it wasn't too much later they came out <laughs> with, out with Johnson's, Johnson's wax. wax. I remember the books depository where they crowned the king of Cuba. Uh-huh. You know what I think that song's about? I think that song is about when you're a little kid, and you just don't understand things. I think you think you're things, right. You hear stuff wrong. Like, you hear a lot wrong. of lyrics. Remember when they show those best ofs on UHF channels? Mm-hmm. And it would be like, you know, the best of CCR. I see bad moon rising. Mm-hmm. And like, I remember, I feel like I learned a lot of the words to three seconds of a song wrong uh-huh. from hearing those ads over and over and over. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I don't know. Dennis, Dennis Farina, I think, now, who am I thinking of? Richie, uh, who was the guy, uh, the La Bamba guy? That's different from Richard Brodick. <laughs> that's that different from Richard Brodick? Bobby, Who's the guy that wrote uh, Trout Fishing in the, New York? The character's of? name of, you're thinking of, Andy the character was uh, Bobby Simone was the name of the character and he was played by Jimmy Smith. Nina Simone. Nina Jimmy Smith. So you're thinking? Oh, of. Jimmy Smiths! All, mm-hmm. uh, all, 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 no bits, pro Smiths. Okay, right. I get it. I get it. I get it. And he's the one. He Bail Organa is the one that says, "I'll take the girl." <laughs> Remember that when he says that? <laughs> Remember Nurse yeah. Paddles delivers the baby, but yeah. then no spoilers. We, so, in our house, we always called her Nurse Paddles. In one of these, in one of these scenes, Andy says um, mm. he's he's talking to someone. Yeah, and uh, they're you know they're saying that you know like he did something and he didn't mean he says well it you know are you are you, is it just because it's such and such on account of my nature oh that's good and i that reminded me when you said i'm sorry on for the way that nature. i am it's like on account of my nature oh i'm just as god made me sir mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because of the implication okay um okay okay well you know we're here every week mm. for now mm-hmm you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But we'll, we'll be back here uh, next Tuesday, and God willing, that'll be May 18th, and we'll just do the whole dang thing over again. It's the optimistic day, Dan. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's button this up. All right. Okay, I love you. Love you too, Merlin, man. Mm-hmm.